Hi, Steve Arterburn here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Hello, everybody. We are so glad that you joined us. And it's me, Dr. Jill Hubbard, and Jim Burns today in California. We're all together in the room. So excited to be with each other. Uh, You know, I love the wisdom that you all bring all the time. Today, we're going to hear from you, Jim. Uh (laughs) Well, I'm going to actually talk about a a life message for me. Okay. Okay. And I want to, it's two words, thank therapy. And, uh, you know, I learned this a long time ago, but... Uh, and I don't even know where I got this, but it's now mine. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> your circumstance may not change, but your attitude can change. And that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. I have found that my circumstances a lot of times don't change, but I can be thankful in them. Now, let me tell you one more thing, and then I want to hear your, your all's thoughts on it. The Bible says, uh, in everything you do, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's a I, I didn't like that verse because mm-hmm. I'm not supposed. Am I supposed to be thankful for divorce? Am I supposed to be thankful for death, uh, mm-hmm. mental illness, all the issues, all the calls we get? Right, mm-hmm. but it doesn't say for. It says in. I was thinking about my mom's death. I was really thinking about her, and she, it's been a while. But she died at 74. For me, mm-hmm. that was young. Yeah. And um, in her, I couldn't be thankful for her death. She was the closest person in my life. I mean, great, incredible woman. But in that, my dad became a Christian. Our family, who hadn't really been together, kind of came together. She's with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could find reasons to be thankful in those. Mm-hmm. So thank therapy for me is writing down 20 reasons why I'm thankful because I knew I was doing this. I, I did it this morning. I do it every mm-hmm. morning. And I actually put both of your names down. Aww. And um, and and you know what's interesting is it's not anything that's ever like big name, you know, big things that are going on. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, I put my grandkids. I put life. I put... The rain, because we needed some rain here in California, even though we're all complaining about yes. you know, the rain. <laughs> and anyway, my attitude can change if I just look at the thankful mm-hmm. side to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean my problems are all going to go away. Right. We can't do that even on new life. Right. But, but if we can be people who just bathe ourselves with thanksgiving, I think we'll do better. Do you know, it reminds me of that uh, passage in James, consider it pure joy Mm -hmm. when you face trials. It also talks about uh, when you think about being grateful, it is leaning towards God, knowing that Mm -hmm. we may not know the whole story, but we can be thankful for the circumstance, knowing that he's got it, no matter if it is rain in Southern California. Well, and when you're thankful... Or in gratitude, you're not in bitterness and resentment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. right. they can't be there at the same time, no, right? Some people have even said you can't, certain types of depression, but you can't right. have self-pity depression mm-hmm. and be thankful. Mm-hmm. It, those two don't go together. It, it lifts you out of that. Right. It, it, mm-hmm. it really does. And so it's such a powerful thing. And it's all throughout the Psalms. I read through the one-year Bible every year. And so every day I'm in a proverb and a psalm. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed how many times it's talking about, you know, offering Thanksgiving. Mm. That's that's what we do, and, and that's why it's important. Don't you think, though, that we minimize gratitude? Like yeah. when I'm sure that there are people that when they hear you say mm-hmm. thank therapy, they're like, "Well, yeah, I'm oh, grateful." There, there they go again, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But really, I know that there are neuroscience studies that yeah. will yes. back that up right. as well. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it literally changes yeah. your brain? No, mm-hmm. and Th- that makes sense. Yeah, and so well, it's, the feelings will follow the thoughts. Right? And so you know what I always think. If you are one of those who are like, yeah, yeah, thankful there, okay, we'll try it. Try it. Mm-hmm. Name try it. three things. Three you're things. For. Right. Come up with three things and begin and do it. Do it for the rest of Lent. Maybe that's what you give up for Lent is complaining. Wow. I don't know. You know, 
But I'm grateful for you, Jim. Hey. Yes. I am. You're on my thankful well, list. Same and Jill too. You all. <laughs> and you too, <laughs> listeners. We are so grateful for each of you. We're going to take some calls after we get back. Thank you, Jim, for just sharing that wisdom. And it's a great reminder that no matter what we are dealing with, there's always something to be grateful for. And it can cause us to shift our thoughts from the pit that we may be invited into. But we can also, you know, you don't don't want to miss the opportunity to see how God's going to work in that trial. Consider it pure joy. We'll be right back after these messages. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. We're we're just we're talking about all the different ways that we practice gratitude. Yes, and I was saying that sometimes when I can't go to sleep, I'll start with the alphabet and I'll say something that I'm grateful for. You know, start with A, B, C, and then I just said that I sometimes count backwards from 600 by threes to get to sleep too, and we're, they can't. We're trying to they can't wrap our mind around that. Friends, what? Yes. Seriously, yeah. how do you do that? Like, really? <laughs> exactly. It works. Anyway, we're. You know what else works is when you call us one eight hundred two two nine three thousand. We're going to go to the calls right now. And we're going to talk with Michael, who's calling us from Tampa, Florida. And uh, it's first-time caller. We're so grateful that you called. Michael, how can we help you today? Yeah, I was curious on how would you tell your wife you feel like her dad? Mm. Oh. How long have you guys been married, Michael? 23 years. Okay. And how long have you felt this way? Last three or four. Okay. All right. Has well, something changed in the last three or four years? No, I'm responsible for doing everything. Seems like she's more there con- for convenience, and that's about it. Hmm. What What has changed? Like, in the last three or four years, she is just kind of there for convenience. You're doing all the work. Was there health? Have, have you asked her what's going on with her? I mean, is there a change in her her mood? Um, is Is she depressed? Um, has there been a loss? Um, Did the kids move out? Yeah. Uh, no, we got teenagers at the house, well, but she's going through the change of life. But every, oh. you know, she says she thinks she is, but we don't do nothing together. So whatsoever. Okay. okay. Even when I get her to go to the store with me, say we go grocery shopping, she'll stick around for five minutes, go off, come back twenty, thirty minutes later, and do it again. Wow. So, Michael, have you tried to connect with her and let her know that you miss her and that you're missing her companionship and that you feel like your marriage is just being kind of reduced to the tasks of life maintenance? I've told her that, but what's in one ear and out the other? So I was thinking maybe one of y'all, being a female, might be able to Give me some advice that she might understand. Well, I want to ask a question, Michael, that may feel offensive, but do you have any suspicion that there would be another person? No. Okay. All right. So you have you have open like communication as far as her passwords and her phone and all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Got all that. Okay. Okay. And is there anything, Michael, that you can think of that she's been trying to tell you for years? 
Because a lot of times men are slow to kind of pick up on cues and that maybe she's kind of given up a bit on the two of you. No, not that I can tell. All right, I got but, one more. I got like one more. She doesn't have an opinion on nothing. I mean, okay, whatever I want to do, go ahead and do it. So she has withdrawn from you. And Michael, I just one more question: Does your job take you away from home for long periods of time? Uh, I work, you know, twelve, fifteen hours a day. Well, that's a lot. Uh, you know, every single day. A week. That's okay. a lot. Okay. Four to five days a week. Okay. So what we're talking about, this happens a lot in couples, though. Michael, if you guys have been married this long and you work that kind of a schedule, mm-hmm. it is very natural. It's not okay. You're not liking it, and it's not okay for a couple. But it is this natural disconnect that occurs. And so now you got to find your way back. Um, Jim, even though he's asking us as females... Let's hear from the man in the room. Absolutely, Michael. You said girl, the girls, and I'm with these girls. I feel the estrogen in the room, but, you know, a Skype man-to-man here. Yeah. Uh, Michael, sometimes we move toward the role that, that like, the, maybe she's looking for some dad stuff, but I wouldn't go there. I, you're the husband, so I would take – I would go on – a date with her and I would court her and I would go back to whatever you did earlier in your relationship that brought in romance. And I don't think I would play into that hand. If she's looking for dad type things, I mean, you are there to nurture and care because men nurture and men care too. And it sounds like you're doing that with her, but you know what? Your job isn't to move into the dad deal. So when you say I'm being her dad, that's a choice you also quite possibly might be making so i think it's important for you to say uh dad no more i'm i'm the husband and again there's a difference between dads and husbands and and yet a husband loves and nurtures and and you know takes care of some things but also a husband uh, makes sure that there you know there is some courting and there's some dating that goes on constantly even though when you have teenagers and that's not an easy role but I I look at your own self too, not along, not just her, but I would look at your own self and say, how am I playing into this hand? And guard against resentment, Michael, mm-hmm. because if you have any resentment right now, because that's the way it's been feeling, that's going to be an obstacle mm-hmm. to connect with her. Right. Um, you want to be more curious. Yes. Right. Yes. Curi- curiosity, curious at what's going on with her. And you said that she never has an opinion on it anything and has that been throughout your entire marriage or is that just no. now it's not it's the past four or five years okay like go out to dinner where do you want to go i don't know i don't care okay, okay. well well and you did mention yeah. menopause no, and she she always says she's tired she's too tired okay that's the thing and i try to get her to go to the doctor even though you know we pay for the health insurance and everything else it's like trying to pull a tooth out of a lion. Yeah. Well, it sounds, but she could be depressed too, Michael. Right. And that's and that's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's an explanation. But a lot of times in depression, whether it is hormone related or other, you know, she may be thinking about these kids are getting older and they're leaving and my husband's working all the time and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. It's all of those things. But I can tell you that if your approach to her is irritation because you yeah. want more from her, you're not going to get, you know, close. But I understand the disappointment she doesn't they even know how I feel, but I try oh. every now and then. Okay, so you know, it's better it's better left to be unspoken than you keep on bringing stuff out. 
Well, and and I think you want to bring it up in a way, though, that isn't just about telling her what she's doing wrong, right? You want to bring up your feelings, how you're feeling in the marriage. And again, like I said, that you miss her and and you really want to know how she's feeling. One of right? the one of the advantages you have, Michael, is because she doesn't have a whole lot of opinions right now. Is maybe you start with um, if you have another couple that you guys are friends with or family, and the four of you go out and go bowling or something where it's just reconnecting. Uh huh. Just fun. It's just fun. And then the next week you do something that's just the two of you, and maybe you decide where you're going to go eat. In the beginning, I think also, uh, I don't know if she'd go to a counselor if she's not going to go to the doctor, but right. that would. I actually thought about that one because it's just me and her. We don't have family. We don't have friends here. Nothing like oh. that. But okay. I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to uh, bring that up and throw a sour apple. Right. Say. Right. You're just trying or to connect. Well, you need some community. Right. Then. Go ahead, Jim. And let me, let me say this, Michael. Sometimes what I find in situations like this um, is that if if you say, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about going to a counselor just in my own life and trying to work. I want to be a more effective husband, things like that. Would you have an interest in going? And if she says no, go anyway. And then say, wow, that was actually pretty good. I was able to – and then share with her more intimately. Intimacy mm-hmm. means connection. Share you know, what you learned. And and that may intrigue her and say, why don't you come? Just come for one time and let's let's uh, let's get an assessment on how we're all doing. You also said something very interesting: no friends, no family in the yeah, area. Not good. You know, you're in Tampa. Tampa's a beautiful area that has incredible churches. And the truth is, is that there's some place there's a marriage conference. There's you know some good things that are going on. And uh, and and. It's called community, and I would say she also needs community. If she's trying to do this by herself, she's very, very, she's very, very alone. Especially with you working the twelve to fifteen hour shift here, and the kids being grown, right? Yes. Well, and two, just I was starting to say, if she is in menopause, anything she had been feeling in life is heightened right right now. Right. So that may be the withdrawing. Right. That she's doing. So, Michael, let's start one one place at a time. We're going to send you a copy of How We Love. I would invite you to bring her to our Intimacy and Marriage Intensive weekend in Washington, D.C. in July. That'll give you a couple months to do some work in between. We'll get you connected with a therapist in your area. And like you said, Jim, start going to church. I mean, yeah. you know, begin to say we need a little bit of community. Everybody needs living community. Life. Yeah, living life. And one, it's not going to be one thing. It'll be all of those different things. We're glad you called. We'll be praying for this situation because we don't want you guys to grow further apart. We're going to go back to the calls. We're going to talk with Kurt, who's calling us from Philadelphia, listens on WFIL. Hello, Kurt. I'm glad you called. How can we help you today? Uh, I have a daughter that I had um, in my teen years, and uh, we split up, both going through separate lives, and then eventually found out that... uh, 16 years ago, uh, he committed suicide. Oh. And when I went to look into that, uh, I was also told that there was good news that my daughter gave birth to uh, a, uh, a little girl mm. two months prior to her grandmother killing herself. So I've been trying to search. Oh, wait, wait. My granddaughter. Who killed themselves? Your your daughter? My daughter's mother. Your daughter's, daughter's mother. mother. Okay, okay. 
So your daughter is still alive? Yes. Okay. She's never spoken to me. And then uh, I would try and fly down to Louisiana and track her down and met with her a number of times, but she would always reject me. And then the seventh time I flew down there, her and her new boyfriend uh, lied to the police and they put me in jail. I have a long, a long history of being in jail, so I was blessed. I got stayed in jail. Mm. I was in jail for righteousness sake, so that was a blessing. So I was in there 17 days, got out, flew back to Philadelphia, went back down there for the court system. An unjust judge found me guilty of something I didn't do. Uh, told me five years of just staying away in Philadelphia. I got my way. But in the meantime, my granddaughter uh, has grown up. I am now diagnosed with kidney renal failure. Mm. And I'd really like to find out where she's at so I could put her in my will. Do you have any mm. thoughts? Well, gosh, Kurt, that is a lot. And mm-hmm. we're so sorry for your suffering right now um how did you leave it like so you have i'm assuming you have not talked to your daughter ever since that last interaction is that right i've never really talked to my daughter we, we, we spoke one time when she's uh when i first found her phone number and she said she had uh, uh what's that cancer ovarian cancer or okay yeah and so I, I prayed about it. Most women were telling me that she probably just can't have children. So then when I found out that she had a baby, uh, that's a blessing. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, it would be nice to meet that, that child. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, what uh, would you... Well, you know, a couple of real practical things. One is, um, if you know the name... Do you know the name of the ch- of your granddaughter? I... I do, but I don't know how to. I don't know. If it's yeah, sure, sure. So one uh, letter, or the other. right? Exactly. Well, two things. One is um, today on social media. There's a very good chance at that this age she's on social media, and so you find her that way. And you know, you just put what you can, and it's amazing what you can see. But but even more so, you know, uh, there are there are companies, there are people who actually do this. They search out. I'm involved in the adoption world, and so there are people who can find, you know, a, a, you know, a, a birth mother or a child or whatever it might be. And it's pretty amazing what they, what they have access to just with the information you've given us about uh, your daughter and family system. There's a very good chance that they could find that for you. And it, you know what? It's, it's really quite economical. So you may want to go there. It, it, you're living in an area that would definitely have these kinds of uh, resources. And you might be surprised. It might take you, uh, you know, hours, not years to to get this i mean just with just the information you have well and you know kurt that while you're doing all of that it may be good for you to write down or record your thoughts and your feelings about your granddaughter so that no matter what you leave in your will for her she'll have an opportunity to know you even if you never get to speak with one another so good because you don't you know you just don't know what the day holds and you don't want that same thing to happen like the last time you were down in Louisiana. But I hope that will help. We will be right back after this. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. 
Uh, just FYI, new episode of Every Man's Battle podcast drops every Monday, and you can get it wherever you get your podcast. They discuss today the impact of acting out behavior on wives, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been an incredible project, and we hope that you will enjoy that as well. We're talking with Kurt, who has had some challenges over um, yeah, some so family connections. Yeah, Kurt. So just to kind of reiterate some things, I think that your desire to want to include your granddaughter is a good one, right? Mm-hmm. We're all looking for kind of our our legacy and something to leave behind and people to carry on. And it's so sad that you haven't been able to have the relationship you've wanted with your daughter. But we were talking about perhaps not you being the one to, again, go down there, intervene. But maybe, Jim, as you were talking about, you know, getting yeah. some help with that and even having someone be an intermediary, um, whether that be an attorney or someone else that could maybe contact and just even to maybe let your daughter know that you, your plan is to put your granddaughter in in right. your will right. and that you will you know that you are in this stage of life and that you wish her well right and and i love the idea of the letter becky right it's a last chance for maybe you to tell your granddaughter about jesus yeah. or even your daughter right. to leave a letter for both of them and just you know apologizing for your part that didn't go well in life and your sadness for their hurt and that you, you wanted to leave them with some parting words. Does that sound like something that you can do, Kurt? Uh, yes. And you can attach Actually, I already wrote a poem for my daughter. It's awesome. Oh, great. That's but you can attach those things to the will. Right. So that when they're contacted, right? Yeah. You know, one of the greatest things about your legacy, Kurt, will be the benefactor you know that you love them so much even if you didn't have the relationship right. with them um you know that that can be very uh, powerful in someone's life but you know w- we do have to go through the correct channels we have to you know be aware of boundaries that people may have right and, or wrongly and lies maybe she's been told right. about you you right. don't know how her mother turned her against right. you so exactly. she may feel threatened that's right uh joe what's the book we're going to send Oh, we're going to send Living Strong, Finishing Well. It's coming your way, Kurt. It's coming your way. You know, our legacy is um, something that is very powerful and will continue to live on. And it's it's funny because it sounds like it's something from the past, Mm -hmm. but it's actually the forward thinking. And it's thinking, how do I want to give in to that next generation? Um, You know, we... We have been missing Steve as he's been on sabbatical, but his voice still rings out when we do these New Life Moments. So we're going to go to that right now. Terry, go ahead. I'm Steve Arterburn with a New Life Moment. When past injustices have caused you pain, you often seek to bury them in the deep recesses of your mind. Almost always when you bury things, it inevitably allows your pain from the past to translate into mistakes and suffering in the future. You become powerless against the strength of your inner turmoil and can lose control of the very feelings you've tried to hide. What do you do to distract yourself from unresolved pain? There may be many strong emotions that you don't even know how to process appropriately, so you simply try to stuff them down inside. Eventually, these feelings are expressed in some way. Be honest about your past hurts. Express your feelings. Confront the guilty. and Work through forgiveness. To learn from a man who ignored his hurts and was controlled by his explosive hidden emotions, 
visit newlife.com. I'm Steve Arterburn. Thanks for listening to this New Life Moment. Yeah, so I think about that question. What do you do to distract yourself from pain? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a it's a question that we all have to pay attention to because we will try to distract as yes. opposed to deal with it. And it kind of goes back to what you started the program with, Jim, yeah. is, you know, when we're dealing with stuff and we're not focused on gratitude, right. gratitude is a great way to distract from pain. But, you know, it also will reveal some things that yeah. we're struggling with. But right. mm-hmm. Steve's always got a great word of wisdom right well and sometimes our fear of the pain is greater than the actual pain itself yeah, right? right that anticipation of oh i can't look at that i can't go there i might cry forever right <laughs> and i've never known anyone who's cried forever it kind of reminds me of uh, when our kids were little and they'd get a splinter mm-hmm. and you'd come at them with the tweezers and you know that there's going to be an instance yeah. of pain but it, then it'll be, be relief. Yeah. And yeah. and so many times the kids are like, no, 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 you can't touch it. You can't touch it because it's going to hurt so badly. And Well, and sometimes physically, people get physically yes. ill almost, yes. right? And so I always say it's like, okay, you want to expand your capacity. So you just, you know, look at it for a few seconds longer yes. than you did the moment before. Yeah. Right. And you kind of go in and out of it. Just sit with it for a few right. more seconds. Right. And then maybe do a minute of... Oh, this is so painful to right. look at. That's okay, right. now I can go distract. That's right. Now, I just need to admit that when you, with your eyes, you, your eyes were sparkling that you'd go after that splinter. <laughs> I, yeah. had, I had a physical experience where I went, no, please, I'll, I'll take the splinter over. I get it. But, you know, when, when Steve said, uh, what do we do to distract? We drink, mm-hmm. uh, sex, porn. Um, scroll what scroll totally scroll right uh, or work and sometimes some of the things even in the christian world Mm -hmm. so what what do we do we overwork we overdo Uh, sometimes we over yeah we overserve even you know so there's some things that busy people are often broken people and so we have to see what's behind that that's an important issue do you know years ago jill you taught on sitting well or expanding that capacity. She's yeah. like, I what? don't remember that. But I remember, you know, it's what does it look like to wait in the pain? Yeah. What does it look like to expand yeah. and have room for that? Yeah. Because many of us, when we approach pain, it, it threatens to overwhelm us. Yes. And if you're believers, God's got it. And you still have to process that pain. It's all of that. We'll be right back after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. We're glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. Because we've been around 35 years, we've got wisdom from all of those years. We're going to go to a call with Brett. Let's go to Brett, calling from KRKS in Denver. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Brett, how are you? I'm not doing bad at all. 
Well, what's going on in your life today? Well, I'm, I've been married for almost 11 years. Um, and we're going through a struggle for the last six, seven months that, um, you know, my wife has not forgiven me for the way that I used to be. Um, I used to be controlling. I used to be a workaholic. I used to uh, not listen to her and make, you know, uh, when she would have an opinion about where we lived or whatever the case might be. I wouldn't listen to her. I would make my own decision and just put her through, you know, accept the decision that I've made. Well, why did you change? Um, in September of last year, I found out that um, there was a potential emotional affair going on Uh-oh. with another man. And I, at that point, just got on my knees. Mm, wow. Mm. So I just, it, it, it seems like it's not going away. Her lack of forgiveness from, towards me is actually driving me absolutely crazy. You know, sometimes a wife tries to justify moving on, moving out with all the crummy stuff that a man does. And so many times she she might be unwilling to give up that justification so she wants to hold a grudge that allows her to kind of have her own little private secret world where is she with this emotional affair um it's actually ended um i i stuck with it and just said it will not happen i actually called the man she was talking with and i said you know this is my wife and you have no business dealing with her and what did he say to that and he goes, well, I've actually been trying to get a way to not talk to her because I'm, I, he was involved with somebody. Yeah. And so, you know, that, it wasn't, it was, I, I mean, I don't know why it happened, and I don't know how to heal that part yeah. of it. Well, how did she respond? Um, she says that she notices a change in me and that I'm, every, I'm doing everything that she's ever wanted me to do, but it may be too late. And she says it may be too late. Why? I'm not really too sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I've explained to her, you know, it's never too late. Everybody deserves another shot. And she said, well, you know, I've told you, I've told you over and over and over again, you know, you work too much. You put your my the property that I live on and my your work before me, in which I did. You know, I mean, I did do that. But now, I mean, I switched jobs. I was working for a, a couple different places that I thought were going to bring me bring us benefit as a, as a family um but i quit everything and now i just got a truck okay and, and well let me ask you this what is your question for us i want to be sure i get the right question well uh, the question that i have is what do i do to not smother her or force her Mm-hmm. to make a decision on whether she wants to be my wife anymore mm-hmm. or not. Okay, so how long were you a jerk in the marriage? We, we've been in this marriage for almost 11 years. Okay, so, well, I would say, you know, you got a little more enduring to do, first of all. You know, you okay. may, if you're willing to, to endure a little bit more. And secondly, I would be sure... Uh, that you're not quoting scripture and stuff like that, taking the moral high ground kind of thing, which will alienate her more. Have you done any of that? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have done a lot of it. Well, you got to stop that, that. Yeah, it's just a different way of controlling her. Yeah. Okay, all right. So how, how, what, uh, what do you recommend that I do to stop that kind of thing? Well, what <laughs> I would do, what I'd do is I'd go to her and say, you know what, um, I... 
I recognized back in the fall that I was trying to control all the decisions and how we spent the money and all of this, and you really didn't, you know, have a space. And I got that. And so, as you've noticed, you know, I made all these changes. But but my hunch is, especially after, you know, talking to some people today, my hunch is there might be some, like, dynamics or relational patterns the way I relate to you in other areas or other things I say or do that still, you know, you're a little afraid of. And while those are probably true, what I want you to know is that because I love you and I want you and I want our relationship to work, I might not know all the things that I do that keep you from kind of coming back, but I want to know them. And if you'll tell me what they are, then I want to fix them. See, and I, I, I've done that. I mean, we've had that conversation. We are in counseling with our pastor, and, and I've done those kind of things, and I've changed pretty much everything that she's asked me to do. But wait a second. Wait a Henry, Henry said something that I think is really important. Using that scripture, you're the same wolf, but you've got sheep's clothing on now. You're, you're, you're looking good with the Bible in your hand, looking good to you, but she feels that same thing that she's always felt. She feels he wants to dictate and control rather than love, serve, care, understand, heal. Connect. Yeah. See? Is that possible? Definitely possible. She says that I smother her, and that I mean, she has even used those words that you think you're morally yeah. better than me. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I would just go explore that and say, say, I get it. You know, it's gonna take me a while here, and and I want to learn it. And so you just keep you keep telling me, but but you know, here's the thing, Mary. I I just want you to know that I want this to work, and. I don't believe, and other people, you know, don't believe either, that that there is there is you know ever a too late as long as somebody on the other side is doing what you want, and so I'm going to ask you not to you know not to you know throw down all of your guards and all of that and get hurt, but I'm going to ask you to be open to the process. And to respond, you know, when I'm giving you what you want. And if I haven't heard the degree of pain that I've caused you, I need to hear that if that's still in the way. See, sometimes what they do is they hold off because you haven't really heard the degree. They've never really come out with the depth of how much, how hurt they were, you know, for so long. You know what, and I think she's tried, and I just simply don't understand. Well, that that may be a place to go. The reboot key could be, you know what, I think I've even blown it since I've made these big changes. I want to try to understand where you hurt and how we got here. Brett, way to go, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish husbands all over the place would just get a wake-up call like you did and you know you've you've like said i'm going to change things and you changed a job and you changed a schedule and you started giving up stuff to show that you are committed so way to go now the other side of that is that a lot of times um the reason you don't see her instantly come around is a she has no track record you know to trust but b sometimes the underlying hurt even though you've apologized, the process of hearing the hurt 
hasn't been given ample space. And what is hard for guys to do is sit there and just listen to it without justifying, explaining in a way, saying, I know, but it'll be better, whatever it is. Just listen and ask and go on a hurt-seeking mission where you are looking for the hurt in her heart and say, just Mm. tell me. I mean, I just want to get it. I want to understand. Like Steve said earlier, I just want to understand your hurt. I'm not even going to. I just want to hear it. I want to get it. And just put on your seatbelt and sit there and listen to it. And I'm talking about for a while. And I don't mean like an hour and a half. I mean a period of, you know, weeks or months sometimes for this to come out. You know, Henry, I always take really deep things and make them into some trite little thing. Um, That is a gift. Become a hurt-seeking missile rather than a heat-seeking missile. Look for it. Find it. Make that your your whole thing. I'll tell you, when when Misty and I just started trying to understand the hurts and the pains from the past, every time she'd acknowledge that she got it, uh, something on me that just made me want to go deeper into her and find out what was it that that led to that hurt and that what a different way to live than oh well you know it's all about me and it's all you know it's just a different kind of connection a deeper connection i tell you to be a hurt seeking missile yes yes <laughs> I, I love that right yeah. and just because we've made changes our partner is going to take a while to really trust that those changes are here to stay right yeah well, you, and it, you see that even with people who have an alcoholism issue the sure. alcoholic it's the it's then the non-alcoholic spouse or whatever yes. that um doesn't change as quickly as the alcoholic no. who said that who said they're changed you know, right it's important for us to understand it takes time Mm-hmm. And I loved what Henry was saying that he, he was still, the guy was still trying yes, to control. Absolutely. And, you know, and so, <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, the idea that this becomes a way of life yeah. to seek out each other, to yeah. be able to hear what each other experiences in the world, because too many times we just think we're not thinking about them. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about you. Call us. We'll be right back after this. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. You know, I know a lot of you are listening on our podcast. You listen um, by the app and on the internet. We're just so grateful that you are listening. And I want you to share that with other people. If you're watching on YouTube right now, click that like button and subscribe. It helps other people know about the help that they can get through New Life. And if you are listening in other ways at other times than our live show, you can call us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And we would love to talk with you as well. Um, I just want to put a plug in too for every man's battle is this weekend in dallas march one through three in person there uh you know guys if you have not dealt with your sexual integrity this is the weekend for you it can change everything one of our most recent um alumni he said i had to plow through my shame to experience my new life and it is a no shame zone we're not going to greet you with you know 
yeah. uh, like a bat or anything like that. We want you to get the freedom. We know that there's help and freedom available for you on the other side of that. So we just want to invite you. 1-800-NEW-LIFE is where you can find out the information or newlife.com. And uh, I also want to say thank you to all the folks that give to make New Life a reality, whether you're Club New Life or monthly giving um, family or other ways that you give through scholarship or whatever we appreciate it you are changing people's lives and i just wanted to say thank you uh and i also want to hear from jill today jill you know i said earlier in the show i still remember something that you taught from years ago we go way back we do do. (laughs) and i would love for you to share with listeners just what's on your heart Okay, well, um, I have been thinking recently about, you know, we hear so many calls, and they're all so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking a little bit about our responses to trauma, and there's uh, one in particular that I wanted to kind of highlight. But first of all, we can all admit that living outside the Garden of Eden is traumatic. Mm-hmm. In fact, being thrust out of the birth canal is traumatic, <laughs> yes. and that life is hard, Right. And that's not to minimize that while life is traumatic for all of us, there are some people that suffer, you know, more severe, more complex traumas in life. Um, And one of the ways God gave us to cope with that, right, is that we go into fight or flight, and we're all very familiar with that. And actually, fight or flight is quite healthy, right? If there is danger that's right right there, you want to fight or you want to flee and get away from it, right? right? And then over the years, another response that that has come up is freeze. So Mm. the deer in headlights. And why do deers freeze? Because they're hoping, oh, they won't see me, right? (laughs) The danger will go away. So we find ways to shut down. We dissociate. We, you know, just keep ourselves immobile. Mm -hmm. Well, there is a fourth F that recently that I've been looking at is a way of coping, and it's called fawning, fawn or feign. And it's not one that gets talked about as much. And you can kind of think about it along the lines of codependency a bit. So this is a reaction where we will endear ourselves to another person. We do excessive people-pleasing. We do whatever the person wants. We have no boundaries, Mm -hmm. right, as a way of minimizing threat or harm. And so this becomes a pattern, and it's not often recognized as a response to trauma. And so when you run across people that, you know, can't say no or overly people-pleasing, one of the things to do about that or to become aware of is, okay, to see that that actually there's been a trigger. Because when you go into over-people-pleasing, there's been a trigger. So what is that trigger, right? And what is that linked to? Where did you first have to be so accommodating, right, so that you could minimize harm or potential threat? And and we know that with these responses, while there's a healthy side, there's an unhealthy side, right? And often they come up when we are triggered, but there's actually no current threat or danger. And so we have to learn, again, how to link that up with where it belongs and then practice being assertive and leaning into our adult self 
to try to minimize those reactions. I think it's such a powerful point to recognize they are responses to trauma. They are. And so when you think about the last interaction you had with somebody who may have been in the fight or the flight, yes. the question is, what happened to you? But in Fawn, you don't always recognize that because no. there's not this big red flag that's saying something's going on. It seems normal. It does right? seem normal. It seems normal. It actually seems <clears throat> like an option. Like this would be right, a good thing to right. do. Or this is just my personality. Right. 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 And I think so many times if you look, we talk about this all the time at like intimacy and marriage. It's what Mylon and Kay Yurkovich mm-hmm. have talked about in How We Love. It's understanding where those those responses to what has happened to us still live out in the day to day. Absolutely. And if we're not asking the question, what happened? Mm-hmm. We're going to miss out on some really inf- strong information. Many times we've had callers where we hear the story mm-hmm. and they've been in a state of fawn. Yes. And it's only at that extreme end where it's like, I I can't do anything. We had a caller a couple of weeks ago that had been married over 35 years. Husband had repeated affairs. Mm. And we were all like, what has happened? Like, why are you not stopping this? And, yeah. you know, and it is that response. No, and you go into that response. Exactly. Right? It's like, it, I don't want to, I don't want to. Peace just, at all costs. Exactly. Exactly. Have you mm-hmm. ever experienced that in, even in ministry, Jim, sure. where you sure, see sure. people in that well, state? Well, as, as um, president of the uh, People Pleasers Anonymous <laughs> <Yeah>. local <laughs> group, um, you know, I think sometimes when we look at our decisions, we have to look at why are, why do we need to say yes Mm-hmm. Jack Hayford gave me an incredible statement one time. He was an incredible pastor, uh, president mm-hmm. of a denomination of a college, and he said one thing, Jim, I had to say no to good things to say yes to the most important things. What are the mm-hmm. most important things? Well, that would be my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids and grandkids. He had time to do a lot of great things, mm-hmm. but sometimes we have to say no. Mm-hmm. And for people like me, the fun, no, no pun intended on the deer and headlights. Yeah, right. But you know, people like me who who want to please people and want to help, I genuinely mm-hmm. do. Yes. That's my enneagram. Mm-hmm. But what I find is that sometimes I do it for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll say yes to not important things, and then I don't have any emotional health to care for the things that are most most important. Or I don't have right. the time to deal with my relationship with God or my relationship with my family because I'm so busy trying to please mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. I have to sometimes just simply go, no, mm-hmm. I can't do it. I can say it in English and Spanish. No or no. no. Either way. <laughs> do you know, no. we're on a venison theme here because you, you think about in fight, it could be a buck with a big old <laughs> yeah, antlers yeah. and then the deer in the headlights. It literally is. I yeah. love that that image, yeah. though. of Or the rabbit that flees. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or that's not venison. No, that's not venison. Oh, but, it, you know, but you think about the deer in the headlights, they think that they yeah. are invisible. Right. They think right. if I stand right. still, I will. And, and listen, if you've ever hit one, you know they're not invisible. No. And they right. create lots of damage. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's such a great um, tool to recognize that trauma continues to impact us. Yeah. Yes. And even when you've learned to sit in the pain, like we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, mm-hmm. you have to also just heal that pain. Real, yeah, realizing there are archaic responses that are still active, right? Yeah. And, well, and they need to be dissected. Right. Yeah, and if you recognize fight, <laughs> I was going to say flight. buck, doe, or <laughs> what's the fawn? <laughs> fawn, well. <laughs> the venison yeah. of trauma. Yeah. But if so you recognize, flee. or if you even hear somebody <laughs> say to you, 
wow, you know, that's a big reaction. Pay attention to that. Yes. And do some work. It right. it, it won't hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, it might hurt in the beginning to ask those questions because sometimes you're uncovering pain that has been buried forever. Yeah. We can help you get to the bottom of that. Whether it is you join us at our Emotional Freedom Workshop that's online March 16th. We'll get to the bottom of those things. Or just call us. We'll get you a counselor, coach, somewhere in, in your neighborhood. Thank you, Jim. And thank you, Jill. Thank you, listeners. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.